What people are worried about is what I don't know, but probably should. Once I have a risk on my radar, okay, I can get my arms around that. I can manage it, but it's like, I think we've been so blindsided over the last year in a lot of cases that we're just worried about the next blindside. Welcome to the Pool Podcast, the official podcast of the Pool College of Management at NC State University. This is a think and do conversation about the relationship between academics and industry. In each episode, we will share research and ideas from the classroom, from our incredible faculty, and explore how it's being translated into practice. I'm your host, Jenny Hammond, Chief Marketing and Communications Officer here in Pool College. Let's dive in. Today, I'm really excited about our topic and our guest. The Enterprise Risk Management Initiative, located here in the Pool College Management, annually surveys boards of directors and C-suite executives about risk on the horizon for the upcoming year. The most recent report, 2021 and 2030 Executive Perspectives on Top Risk, released earlier this month, highlights top risk of immediate concerns on the minds of executives for this year, 2021, and for the long-term 2030. To help us break down this report and discuss what these trends are, we are joined by Mark Beasley and Jim DeLoach. Mark is currently a KPMG Professor of Accounting here in Poole College and Director of the ERM Initiative, where he teaches and conducts research related to ERM and board governance. He has published over 100 articles, thought papers, and books, and regularly works with boards and management teams in strengthening their risk oversight. Mark, so excited to have you here today. Thank you. I'm pleased to be here. Jim is the Managing Director of Protivity's Global Business, IT, Risk, and Internal Audit Consulting Practice. With over 40 years of client service and based in Houston, Jim is very actively involved with the ERM initiative here at Poole College and has been a member of the Initiatives Advisory Board for several years. Welcome to you as well, Jim. Glad to be here, Jenny. Thank you. All right. We have a lot to talk about today, so let's get started. Mark, let's start with you. Before we jump into the meat of this conversation, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about the Enterprise Risk Management Initiative, or ERM for short, as well as how you came to partner with Jim and ProTivity. Great, Jenny. The ERM Initiative in Poole College is a thought center. We're, we're just trying to provide thought leadership to help organizational leaders think about how they manage risk across their enterprise, but with a particular focus of how that management of risk should connect into strategic planning and overall governance. And so we launched it in 2004, and our approach is very much this think-and-do mindset of NC State, where we're trying to do academic research and, and thought leadership, but at the same time, very applied. So applied means we're connecting with people like Jim in the real world, Jim is a member of our ERM Initiative Advisory Board. We have representatives from all across the United States, from major organizations like Protivity and other very large corporate entities, uh, about 50 people on our board. And Jim's been a part of that, I think, from the very beginning, if not right close to the beginning. Jim and I met, Jim is really the grandfather of ERM in my book. He wrote what I would call was the leading thought leadership on this topic in the 90s, long before it was really taking traction. So he had that forethought on the topic. But Jim and I have worked together on a number of initiatives like the COSO uh, project that developed one of the first ERM frameworks. As we, we overlap in a lot of spaces, but thrilled that Jim's a part of what we're doing here at NC State. 
Great. Thanks, Mark. And as a follow-up to that, Jim, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about the scope of the work that ProTivity produces and why perhaps you partner with initiatives such as the ERM here in Poole College. Glad to, Jenny. And uh, Mark, I'm going to have to slip you that $100 bill for those kind of <laughs> <laughs> uh, But ProTivity is a global consulting firm. We have four core businesses, technology consulting, business process, improvement, risk and compliance and internal audit and financial advisory. Uh, we work with clients to help them solve their business challenges and problems. And of course the world has changed. And so there are a lot of opportunities to, to help companies succeed in navigating these new choppy waters that we've had over the past year and as we continue forward. Uh, we're very uh, pleased to be involved with the uh, Enterprise Risk Management Initiative. And I've known Mark for almost 20 years, and uh, we're just delighted to be a part of the uh, advisory board. And I think that the ERM initiative is just an outstanding source of knowledge for practitioners in the marketplace. And I've heard quite a few indicate that to me. And I want to add that, you know, Protivity, it's global, which ties into our study that we were going to talk about, but they've got a global presence around the world. And so I think a lot of what we're going to talk about, it has that global message to it. It certainly has a global presence. In fact, Jenny, as you get into your questions, we're very, very pleased with the global breadth of the global reach of our study this year. I can imagine it resonates with many, probably more so than ever, right? Well, Mark, I know this is the ninth annual report that you've done. Mm-hmm. When you and I talked about this initially, you said that um, you know executives literally around the world wait for this report to come out because they leverage it in so many ways. But for those of us that maybe have not got the weeds of, of the report or don't really know the scope of it, could you give us kind of a high level what this report does and, and the purpose it serves? Yeah, happy to. So we uh, started this, as you said, this is our ninth year. So we're several years into it and we've applied a very consistent sort of approach to this. And what we're really trying to do is get the perspective of C-suite leaders. So those at the highest level of the senior executive team and the C-suite CEO and direct reports, as well as board of directors around the world to get their perspectives on what the risk issues are for their organization for the next year. So again, we were surveying people in November and December of 2020, about 2021. This year, however, there's an added sort of benefit to it that we've normally done the year ahead. So we're trying to come out really early in the calendar year to say, what's what's on the horizon for this year? This year, we went and said, okay, now also tell us what's on the horizon in 10 years, 2030. And so this is a perspective of what peers that are in the C-suite and board around the world across a lot of different industries think are the big issues. And we are able to not only do that for the full sample, which is over, it's like 1,081, I believe is this year. So about 1,100 people are responding. And that allows us then to then analyze, do a sub-analysis across different sizes of business, different industries, different geographies, US, Europe, Asia, as well as then different people. What are board members worried about that CEOs are not and vice versa? So it's all that slicing of different analyses that I think really provides extra color. And this year we have that added benefit of not only 2021, but 2030. 
Jim, given what you hear from business leaders in the marketplace, why is there such an interest among them with this report when it's released each year and how do they leverage it across their businesses? Well, I, I think that one thing I've learned, Jenny, that when you talk with business leaders in the marketplace and you have empirical information from their peers in the marketplace, I think they're always interested in hearing that. And of course, risk has always been top of mind, particularly in our study, we just don't get saddled down into operational risk. Our study focuses on macroeconomic and strategic risk as well. And so we, it brings a strategic, a very strong strategic flavor to it that I think is of significant interest to business leaders. And I think it's what helps set it apart from studies that kind of focus more on the operational insurable risk side of things. Yeah, and I'm going to follow up with that because what you know and I know is people, we were, well, let me back up to say that we purposefully did not do the survey until after the U.S. elections in November because we wanted to get perspectives after people had that information. That meant that normally we release this report in mid-December. This year we released it early February because the, we wanted to add you know, more time to get the response. We were getting people emailing us, when's that report coming out? When's that report coming out? And here's what they're telling me, and I'm sure Jim's probably hearing the same thing, is most organizations, their leadership team is sort of thinking about, here's what we think our risks are. They're worried about what is it that I don't know that I should. And so our report, I think, is used as a completeness check. Here's what management came up with. Now let's go see what others think to see if we miss something. And I think it's that comfort of, it's a little bit of a safety net to, in their thinking of, did I miss something that is like obvious to everybody else? And I'm hearing that a lot of times management's taking their list of risk into a board meeting and saying, here's what we think our risk are. And we benchmarked that against this productivity NC State study. So the great thing is, I think it's in boardrooms. And Jim, you probably know that firsthand because you're going into boardrooms. I'd be curious if, if you're seeing it used that way too. Yeah. So I think talk about top risk for 2021 without talking about the pandemic, right? So I know that that was definitely something that caught a lot of businesses off guard in 2020. Mark, are you seeing that as a continued top risk for 2021 as well? Absolutely. A part of our approach over the nine years has been we've, we've taken typically 30 risks, as Jim mentioned, macroeconomic, strategic, operational. And we've, we've surveyed them consistently to get a sense for these broad risk issues to allow us the ability to look at trending. But this year we said, you know, we've got to think about what are the unique issues tied to the pandemic. So we actually added some additional risks. So we actually now have 36 risks. We added two for macroeconomic, two for strategic, two operational that are more pandemic specific. I guess in some ways not surprising, but it's always interesting what does bubble to the top. But the number one risk, well, actually the top three really are tied to the pandemic pretty closely. So the first one was the number one concern is concern over government policies and regulations that are coming out to manage the pandemic. So dealing with social distancing, allowing people to be in crowds, travel restrictions, mask requirements, all those kinds of things, they're really worried about the changing nature of those regulations and how it's going to impact your ability to deliver their products and services. So that was the number one risk, followed by the economy, just general concerns about the ongoing unemployment challenges, and just the issues tied to the volatility of the economic sort of environment we're operating in. And then the third one was dealing with the pandemic 
now changing sort of how customers are becoming to accept how we deliver products and services. Could customer demand for what they want be permanently shifting? You know, not we think we're going to go back. Well, now we're what eleven months into this. Um, it's almost like we're probably not going back. We got to go to something new, and they're worried about that product or service. But th- those are the ones that pop to my mind. But I'm sure Jim has some thoughts on that too. Yeah, I, it's the the pandemic has really dominated the study. I mean, not only what fell into the top ten, but I mean the pandemic affecting the workplace was number twelve, and it was just right below the top ten. It's clearly top of mind, and and that should come to no surprise to anyone. Jim, were there any risks that came out of this report that surprised you? Well, I don't know if it, it surprised us, but I mean, clearly digital talent, uh, cyber and privacy and regulatory risk were uh, top of mind. And I think that the, the digital, on the digital side, I think you, you're talking about the future of work and the competition against foreign digital competitors and other competitors with superior operations and digital maturity. I think, you know, the, the notion that, that we can continue to operate with the status quo and somehow react uh, when the competition comes up with a better mousetrap. You know, that is so passe and it's done. That's analog thinking. In the digital era, you have to have a level of digital capability, thinking and acting digitally that enables you to continuously maximize the customer experience. And this is extremely important for companies able to thrive and in some cases survive because customer expectations, customer loyalty can be very fleeting as we look out over the next decade. So I think that digital aspect really came through strong, Jenny. And on the talent side, you know, Part of the digital emphasis is on the future of work, which means that technologies such as artificial intelligence, other digital capabilities, uh, automations in all of its forms, continuously transforming the workplace and the nature of work such that millions upon millions of job functions would be eliminated. And at the same time, over time, creating millions and millions of new job functions in order to maximize the ROI in those technologies. That's a significant upskilling and reskilling task for uh, companies all over the world. In addition to that, leadership succession and being able to access the A players, the real talent in the marketplace that's becoming scarcer, that also presents a challenge that uh, companies are facing. And that came through, Mark, very loud and clear in our study. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, it's interesting, as, as Jim is highlighting, is there's this technology talent intersection. Uh, it's the two T's in some ways, just this need to be innovative, digitally savvy, and having the skill set. And I think what entities are finding or sensing is it's getting pretty competitive to find that talent. One of the, the I think it was, Jim, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think our number 10 risk was just the concern that we're not going to have the talent to really be able to leverage data analytics and big data to generate the insights we need for the future to then be innovative. And then one of the 
top 10 risk along with that that's interesting is it's paired with a real concern that in their organizations, there's a significant resistance to change. So what Jim is saying is we got to change. Status quo is not going to work, but there's a worry that we're going to be slow to change. So it's this innovation and willingness to take risk, I think, ultimately, but it, they need the talent. And then, as Jim talked about, the secession leadership, dealing with secession planning so that there is leadership that's visionary, which I think to me as you know, a professor at NC State, but this would be true for any business school. But for our students, I hope they're hearing that message of these are some messages to be thinking about technology, innovation, strategy, vision, and analytics. It's, it's sort of a, that's where the space is going, it seems. Yeah, I was going to say that I saw that one of the top 10 risks reflects a concern about whether organizations have the right kinds of talent. So I was going to say, can you describe more about that, that concern that our current and future students should consider as they complete their coursework at NC State? I'll take a stab. I'd love to get Jim's thoughts on this because you're out in the marketplace even more so, but, you know, I just think, gosh, entities seem to be concerned about there. Obviously there's just massive amounts of data. I mean, we're seeing that in all walks of life. And I think the worry is there's insight in that data that I'm not seeing and my competitor, it, my competitor will see it. And so we need people to come do that. That's where I think in Pool College, our focus on business analytics, where we're balancing knowledge about how to do the data analysis with how to use it to make a decision is sort of where we're trying to play. And I think that's the kind of talent that people might be looking for. But Jim, I'd be curious, you know, you're in the marketplace all the time. What's your thought on what from a talent perspective in this big data issue? Well, I think that the comment I was making about the acquisition and retention of top talent which I separate from the future of work. That's an upscale, reskill issue, but I'm talking about the acquisition and retention of top talent. I think you have to put that in the context. You're talking about the talent you need to execute, to formulate strategy and execute complex strategies that are all geared to continuously improving, enhancing, redefining the customer experience. And you can't do that flying blind. You've got to have an instrumentation. You know, if you're flying in storms or what have you, you got to have, you got to have metrics. You got to have a dashboard. You've got to have the right metrics that enable you to understand what customers are really thinking, what their preferences are, whether your products and services are really resonating, whether there are product alternatives in the marketplace. This requires data. And the whole concept of big data was just below the top 10 for the near term. It made the top 10 looking at over the next 10 years. It's been a topic all along uh, for many years, but now it's making headway into our top risk survey. And bottom line, I think you could sum it up this way, Mark, in the digital economy, who's got the knowledge and the insights, they're going to be the winners. Those who are late to gaining knowledge and insights, they're not going to fare as well. Yeah, and I'll pair that with the 2030. When you look at some of the top risks there, there's definitely a theme about, you know, adoption of digital technologies, rapid speed of innovation, keeping pace with that rapid speed, concerns about substitute products and services emerging. So it's this sort of future thinking that if we don't have the right talent to think today about 2030, we're going to wake up in 2030 and be left behind. 
Mark, just shifting a little bit here, what did you observe when you look across industries? There, was there any particular industry that was or should be concerned about 2021? Let me take a shot at that. Go ahead, Mark. No, no, you go ahead. I think when you look across the industry, I mean, the pandemic is front and center in every industry. And it just seems like resilience, agility seem to be themes that we see across industries, how they are re- intending to react and pivot changes in the marketplace, because all industries are affected differently, but the dynamics of every single industry uh, have been impacted by the pandemic. And in many industries, the changes they are experiencing are likely to be long-standing and ongoing, so that, you know, this is not I don't see, Mark, any of our industry respondents saying or suggesting that they expect to go back to the pre-pandemic normal in any way, anytime soon. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I don't see that either. One of the messages that when I look at the industry data is obviously looking at my industry peers is critical, but so many entities, particularly your large ones, really cross over into maybe multiple industries. So part of the value is to be thinking about, okay, this part of my business is more in this particular, like, you know, there are some, you know, some of the auto manufacturers or even motorcycle manufacturers have a financing subsidiary. So obviously financial services is relevant to their businesses. So it's important to look at both dimensions, but the one, the industry that maybe to no surprise in some ways, that was probably the sensing the riskiest environment is healthcare. It's just the impact of everything on healthcare. Although I will say, Jim, over the last few years, healthcare has been high on the high risk. and they, They've tended to be rating risk higher. And I guess there's to no surprise, given the complexity of healthcare, the focus you know nationally on the healthcare industry, cost, but then now this year, you've got a pandemic where their services are so stretched. Um, healthcare really was pretty high on the, the you know, their risk, they rated at a much higher level of significance compared to other industries. Yeah, healthcare has been an interesting industry group to watch in our study over the last several years, Mark. Yeah. I was just going to say another one that I thought was perhaps been interesting to watch would be retail. Yeah, I mean, we definitely have consumer products and services in there. And, you know, they definitely got their, their risk challenges. And I think there's, you know, concerns along the lines of innovation, product substitution, market demand shifting. What I talked about earlier of could the way we're now delivering products and services, we're getting sort of used to. They show up my door at 10 o'clock at night or five in the morning. You know, I, I get what I want tonight, you know. So I think, you know, there's concern about how this is going to have a lingering, more permanent kind of change. When you were asking earlier about what catches you by surprise a little bit, one of the things we ask in each year is, before we get into the specific 30 cent risk, we say, well, what is your general sense about the overall magnitude and severity of risk for 2021 as you look at just broad environment? This year, they're rating that overall environment definitely much riskier than prior years. And you would think, gosh, we've been through a crazy time. That's interesting. And But I would sort of think it seems riskier. But when you ask them about a very specific risk, one of the 36, they tend to be not as concerned compared to the prior year, which is interesting. I think there's a little bit of messaging there that what people are worried about is what I don't know. 
but probably should. Once I have a risk on my radar, okay, I can get my arms around that. I can manage it, but it's like, I think we've been so blindsided over the last year in a lot of cases that we're just worried about the next blindside. <laughs> that, that's sort of how I interpret that disconnect on that. I think that is exactly it, Mark. I think they have seen one of the most unprecedented risk environments over the last year, that, uh, perhaps in everyone's lifetime. While pandemic risk has been a risk discussed for a long time, you know, I've not known anybody to put pandemic risk in their top 10 critical enterprise risk, which is something that the board of senior management needs to deal with and talk with. Pandemic risk has always been a part of business continuity management programs, but has it really registered and resonated in the C-suite? I don't think so. And so, but it certainly is now. And those organizations that were digitally invested were those who, that were able to pivot and adapt more quickly to the environment uh, than those that weren't. So I think this has really been an eye-opener. And you look forward, I think they're, the results that you described, Mark, suggest that they're looking, you're right, for that, okay, what else can happen now? Because this is unprecedented and this is a very disruptive environment. Uh, are we going to have more of the same? And I think, I think they perhaps are envisioning more of the same in terms of the risk environment versus specific risk, if you will. I think it's probably safe to say there is not an industry that exists that does not now think about a future pandemic and what we will be doing, right? I mean, Ed, how could you not? Yeah. Yeah. From schools to every type of existence you can think of. Yeah. I just hope that we don't become forgetful too quickly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know how we, we move, once we get back to sort of a more, what seems more normal, will we forget what we're learning now? I, I don't know. I hope not. But one thing Jim talked about continuity, business continuity planning, you know, uh, part of our advisory board, we, we've asked our board some of the challenges they're facing. And one of the observations come from our board meetings is, entities are realizing the way they've approached continuity planning has been too siloed. In a lot of cases, it's been led by the IT group. That's been the focal point. And what they're realizing is business continuity planning is much more complex and needs to be elevated from a governance perspective to a higher level because we need to think about continuity operations beyond just technology. As we know now, people and working from home. And I'm hoping that just this focus on thinking about it may not be a pandemic next time that disrupts our operations, but it could be just as disruptive from a different cause. And they want to prepare for that. Uh, one thing I think that has been very, very interesting, Jenny, is that the as you look back over 2020, I think it's been very interesting how quickly organizations faced with a do or die situation, faced with a complete cessation of operations, innovating in a fraction of the time that took them to innovate prior to the pandemic. We're talking innovating in a matter of days and weeks, what used to take months and years. And so I think that as you look forward, part of the broad message of our study is is the importance of resilience and the importance of adaptability. That's one reason why this old mainstay of resistance to change that we saw in the risk 
for 2021 uh, continues to be concerning because it tells us that business leaders, in spite of this unprecedented environment requiring agility and resilience and adapting, there's still a perception that there's a significant amount of resistance to change. And that is something that culturally uh, needs to be addressed by, by companies that still have that issue. So I want to spend a little time before, before we wrap up the podcast today, a couple more questions for you too. But the other part of this report is, is 2030. So looking at kind of longer term risk. Mark, let's focus on the risks of greatest concern for 2030. To what extent were some of the risks from 2020 and 21 do you see continuing to appear in 2030? Yeah, that it's interesting. So definitely there's some overlap between the top 10 in 2021 and top 10 in 2030. A couple that pop to my mind are issues tied to technology and that being concerns in 2021 about privacy, identity management, protection of systems and data. Just could we inadvertently you know, disclose information we shouldn't from the data that we have? Because we have so much data now. That's a worry. That continues 10 years out. Cyber threats, just the threats of hackers. And we've heard a lot in the news in the fall, particularly at a global level about, you know, nation states and things like that attacking systems. I think that is a, that just continues to go forward. Another one that pops to mind is concerns about regulatory change and scrutiny. That's in our top 10 for 2021, but it zooms to the number two risk in top 2030. That concerns about broader sort of scrutiny from a regulatory perspective of how we can operate our business. And we always highlight there that we think this is beyond just the regulated industry. So this is beyond banking and an insurance kind of perspective. This is coming up across multiple industries. It's broader issues. When you think about privacy and security with GDPR, that affects all of us that are interacting with you know, the public. And so that's a regulatory issue that affects every business, whether I'm an NC State or a nonprofit or a for-profit company. Similarly, things related to the environment, social governance, that is a regulatory issue that I think people are sensing could grow. And the concern is, could that scrutiny impact how they sell their products and services and how they go to the market? Well, I think the big one for me was the fact that and, you know, augmenting the general theme that we see a digital world going forward and therefore the future of work, and the digital acceleration that can drive the future of work and the issue around competition with born digital players. That was augmented by the fact that exposure to disruptive change jumped from the 18th position in 2021 all the way up to the third position for 2030. So these business leaders who responded to the survey were saying, let's fasten our seatbelts because this is going to be a highly disruptive environment. And, and so that's what we see. We, we certainly got disruption in 2020. We're seeing disruption over the next 10 years. I think the reason they didn't specify the exposure to disruptive change impacting business models in 2021 is because they were so focused, this market 
pointed out, on just getting working their way through the pandemic. I think also the risks that were new in 2030, the exposure to substitute products, fleeting customer loyalty, which kind of fall into this theme of disruptive change. And then big data found its way into the top 10, which suggests that these business leaders envision the importance of data, advanced data analytics, knowledge is power data and insights about the customer experience, about the pulse of our employees, about how effective and resilient our supply chains are. All this is about information. So the quality, strategic, and operational decisions can be made with information as real time as possible. That's the opportunity in big data. Those who do it well are gonna fare better in this disruptive environment versus those that don't. Yeah, would agree. So we are college at the end of the day. Um, we do have our tagline of think and do, and I'm gonna switch this up on you guys from what we originally discussed, but I'm curious, we get a lot of students and alum, alumni that listen to this podcast. And as for those listening, I'd be curious to hear perspectives from each of you as students or those that are early in their careers can continue to prepare and build skills that will help them be effective leaders that can potentially impact some of these risks for companies down the road. I, I would say this, I envy all of them. Bill Gates made an observation that what about the timing now of entering into business? And he mentioned his quote went something like a paraphrasing, what an exciting time to enter into business. We're going to see more change over the next 10 years than we saw over the last 50. And, you know, I, I think about the span of my career and I look forward and I can, you know, I just think it's going to be an exciting world as businesses, as the private sector and the public sector cope with the challenges that face our society and our, our world. And I have no doubt we'll work our way through it. You know, the history of our species has not been a smooth one. It's been rocky, but we've always risen up to the challenge. And your students, the students of North Carolina State University have an opportunity to be a part of that story and that narrative. And so that's why I say I envy them. I think we should get Jim to be our commencement speaker. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, a little teary-eyed over here. I, that, that's great. 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 Yeah. Uh, I think what a, a great message, Jim. I think, you know, I won't say it as eloquently as you did, but when I think about the generation that we're we have now in front of us and those that will be coming soon, it is an exciting time. I think as long as a, our students will think with a with a mindset of being flexible, willing to embrace the new, that not being so hesitant to change as well as, you know, I'm the risk guy and not, and no, don't be hesitant to take risk. You got to take risk. What we're just trying to say is take it with intelligence. So embrace risk, not in a fear, but just, and I just want to have knowledge so that I can navigate with that knowledge, but not be paralyzed by the risk side. Cause risks are always a part. They've been around since the beginning. So 
we're, we've got to get comfortable with that, but I think it creates a lot of excitement because over a career, they're going to have so much, there's so much opportunity out there that it's going to be hard to be bored if they're really engaged. One thought I would add, don't want to overstay the welcome here, but I was addressing a group of students this past Monday night at a graduate ERM class. And we got down to the end and I just pointed out that don't get lost at the task level because you can, it's so easy to get consumed by the task you're facing when you get into the workplace. But never lose your sight of the big picture, big strategic picture. And what is really important at the board level and the C-suite, what's important to the CEO, how the CEO is trying to drive the organization forward. Focus on those broader issues about the business strategy of the organization and the challenges it faces. And I think you will add more value to your employer uh, than you would if you are consumed at the task level. That's a great great advice. Yeah. Mark, Jim, I cannot thank you enough for spending time with us this morning. This report fascinates me. I know it fascinates a lot of us and how appropriate it resonates now in the time that we're living, right? So a lot of good stuff in here. Got a lot of good takeaways. We appreciate the time that you spent with us. And hopefully, perhaps maybe you can make it a yearly trip. We could dig into this report every year. So we get to have you back on the podcast. That'd be great. We'll do it. (laughs) That sounds great. Thank Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone for listening. For more information on the Poole College of Management at NC State, visit pool.ncsu.edu or follow along on social media where we're at NC State Pool. You can also learn more about the Enterprise Risk Management Initiative here at Poole College at erm.ncsu.edu. And if you like this show, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. This podcast is a production of EarFluence. I'm Jenny Hammond, and we'll see you next time on The Pool Podcast.